0: Welcome back to the Four Gardens Podcast. I'm Jake Ifshin. On this show, I talk to people who are inspiring me in the areas of health, nature, creativity, and service. I'm really happy to be joined by a dear friend and mentor of mine, Kevin Hauber. Today on the show, we're gonna talk about the men's work we do together and that Kevin organizes called the Gold Mining Circle. We're also gonna talk about watsu, yoga, and so much more. Let's jump in. Kevin, it's so fun to be here with you in San Luis Obispo. I've had so much, such a great visit so far. Thank you for having me in your home. I want to see. Glad you made it, man. Yeah, it's been it's been great so far. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well. We've had a good day, you know, beach walks and yoga and all kinds of stuff to start the day.
0: So, lots of dog love, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm coming into this podcast really relaxed after getting a watsu session from Kevin and, as you mentioned, getting out on the beach. So. Yeah, it's, it's a great framework to come into this conversation.
1: Yeah, good lead in.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so I know Kevin through the work we do uh, in our weekly men's circle. Now it's twice a week we're coming together. And Kevin is the organizer of this gold mining group that has really uh, impacted me and helped me grow over the last two years. And I have shared a little bit about this in my conversation with Andy Wick a few weeks ago. And I'm excited to come back around and explore the origins of Gold Mining Circle and how Kevin came into this work. So yeah, maybe we could start for, from the beginning with you, Kevin, with men's work, how it, how you got started uh, with Mankind Project and doing men's work in general. Well, it's it's been a long-term
1: interest of mine because I've been looking for uh, an opportunity to be in the men's group for quite a while. Um, and I, I didn't find anything that really... And then a friend of mine in, uh, at the beginning of 2004 invited me to, to join a group that he was forming locally that was part of this larger organization It was called Mankind Project. I said, okay, so you know, we'll go check that out. And it ended up being something that was really impactful. Um, we started with a, a small group here in San Luis Obispo that was, uh, that was part of this larger organization. We had support from um, some groups in Santa Barbara. Um, and it's grown over time to be nine different groups here in San Luis Obispo area uh, of various sorts. And we've had just a, a wonderful community that's, that's developed out of it of, of men becoming better men for themselves and families and community and their work and um, really is, has been um, life-altering in the kinds of, of things that it's done. And now, especially after COVID, with taking a lot of things online um, like the gold mining work that we're talking about, uh, it's been an opportunity to take it everywhere. And so, when you and I have been in group together, you know, sometimes you've been calling in from Costa Rica, or you know, guys calling in from the East Coast all the time, and uh, and we have requests from other guys, you know, to do this work internationally. So I've really, really enjoyed the opportunity to be able to
0: expand what we're doing. What was the? You said you were looking for a men's group even back in 2004, what, um, what was your experience looking for the men's group? What, um, what, what were the motivations when you come into men's work, what motivated you to get started doing this?
1: There's a, there's a sense of community that I was looking for. There was a sense of, of comradeship. Um, you know, as, as time goes on, it was more important for me to be, um, really conscious of what I was doing as you know, service in my life, in community, and the, the men's group provided a really good
0: way to focus that. Let's catch people up to who maybe we've been saying men's work. Uh, what, when we, we say men's work, what we're meaning by that, what wh- what this looks like practically um, in, a, in a circle, just for people who are new to this. Like, how do you explain when people haven't heard about a men's, a men's circle or men's work, how do you explain that to someone new to this?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um so if you uh do, well let's just let's look at it um topically. So one of the one of the areas that we focused on in the gold mining circle here recently was about active listening. Um you know, so active listening being let me actually pay attention to what you're saying and be able to echo it back without judgment. Now, in my experience, that is an extremely rare characteristic that you find out in the world. You know, most of the time there's so much preoccupation with what's going on in somebody's own mind that there really isn't any active listening going on, but the ability to be able to listen and to empathize and to be able to connect back with someone is extremely valuable. So those are our skills that we work on in the men's group, along with a a whole variety of, of skill sets around emotional literacy, uh, around communication, just like we're talking about, um, around working through um, issues in our lives, um, past traumas, uh, healing work of, of
0: numerous varieties. You know, it all
1: gets brought into
0: the men's work. And these, this, this work, we do it in the circle in different phases and different, there's a lot of steps we take to do this in terms of conversation one-on-one different types of ways this work can happen do you feel like i I guess i'll say i felt like that having a community around doing this work a community around developing these skills has been essential for me so i think personally coming into this i knew i wanted some of those stronger abilities of more emotional intelligence more active listening more camaraderie things you described and then i found that i can grow this grow this in community and so some of the skills Kevin's talking about, uh, we'll often start with a sensei piece in our men's group. That's actually every week we start with a sensei piece around that right. and go through these four phases of the work. Um, actually, just, we, I go through it th- them with Andy Wick too in our podcast of these four rounds of lover, warrior, magician, and king. And so we share, we process, we do, we do all this work together. Um, yeah, so... This this and th- and this format has been really effective for me. Uh, we do we come together. And we do this every week, and so um, this this comes from Mankind Project, right? That format that I'm describing of these four rounds, the four archetypes. Yeah, well, the archetypes are are universal,
1: and we draw a lot on on Jungian uh, origins for the actual archetypes that are brought in. But the rounds are are pretty typical to what goes on in mankind project and some groups modify their form that they're bringing them into. There's a, there's a whole spectrum, um, as, as groups, um, well, there are, there are various circles that are formed. There are some circles that are formed that are open to anybody, anytime that they're ready. Uh, and other times there are closed groups, um, that are guys who just want to be able to do their own processing in the company of others that they know. Um, and you know, one is not necessarily better than the other um, but we always try and find uh, a door to be able to bring
0: guys into um, the men's work when they're ready you, you were pointing out the essential skills though that you that you share you've gotten in men's work and and i've i've gotten to do this work with you too around listening emotional intelligence i've been grateful to lean it lead the circle and bring get to bring my own topics into into this too yeah and and you develop. brought some great ones yeah we've had um it's we've had some great great conversations and great circles, and I've been fortunate to get to lead It's been a privilege to to lead lead the men um in the circle also one one experience I haven't had yet is the is the warrior weekend training too right. and so t- talk a little bit about initiation too with men's work and how that's um your experience of that and and some of these retreats because that's something I haven't gotten to do yet and seems to be quite important in this culture yeah
1: so the um the main thing that that started Mankind Project was this sense that um, the initiations that used to happen for men uh, in pre-industrial societies had gone away. And uh, if anything, you know, men went through experiences that, uh, that weren't community building in their growth and, and such. So the, the recognition that historically it's been very important for men to be initiated into the tribe and to have the support of older men and younger men and others and to know that they're not alone and such. That, that had gone away quite a bit. And in the mid-'80s, there was a, a group of guys uh, in you know Chicago area and up into Wisconsin that, that got together and, and started formulating this whole idea of doing a weekend initiation for men who hadn't experienced that kind of thing. And a lot of the guys that were, were um, part of this were Vietnam vets and others who came back who didn't have uh, anything but, you know, a, a history of trauma around dealing with other men in a lot of ways and needed to find tools um, to be able to deal with that. And so they developed this, this whole um, strategy, this whole weekend called a new warrior training adventure. Uh, and that evolved and, and such and has been a very active thing for a Mankind Project all the way up um, to a year ago or a year and a half ago when COVID hit. And, you know, there just haven't been any weekends since then. But there are new uh, uh, warrior trainings that go on all over the world. Um, and matter of fact, there are some going on internationally now, um, but not any in the United States at the moment. But the idea was to create that initiatory experience. And after a number of guys did that, um, the guys who were the leaders at the time um, said, well, you know, all right, so what do we do with these guys now? <laughs> right? And so they said, all right, so we're going to create this thing, you know, this, this primary uh, training that teaches them how to function together um, and create a group, an, an integration group was what it was called. So these integration groups were formed out of the initiates from the weekend, uh, which was all great, except you know you had to go through the weekend to be able to get in. It. it wasn't necessarily on your schedule. It was only on the schedule for when the, the weekends come. So eventually, there were integration groups that were created um, to allow any man to join in whenever he was needed, whether he had experienced the new warrior training or not. And our group in San Luis Obispo was one of the first that was called an open circle um, that any man could come to at any point that he needed to, even if he was uninitiated or even especially if he was uninitiated, um, to be able to start his work. And we found that to be a, a really successful strategy of come into the work when you're ready, and at some point, go through the initiatory experience
0: and then come back to the group and come back into community. I actually have to admit, I didn't know that iGroup stood for integration group. I wasn't, I've been hearing iGroup so many times. and You know, it's one of those like light bulb. Oh, it's integration group. I get it. And right. so, um, so I uh, would like to understand a little too how you're seeing gold mining which is what we're getting into now, how it's grown out of Mankind. You described the Mankind Project intention and group structure with the Warrior Weekend and the integration group. You've come in and innovated on that structure, as, and I've gotten involved since you've innovated with this gold mining intention, this gold mining structure and approach that you've started to develop. Tell me a little bit about how that works with Mankind Project and how, that's, how that evolved.
1: Sure. If you look at at the history of mankind project and the work that are done, most of the work over time, has been focused on shadow work. Um, in in the the classic definition, shadow being what's hidden, repressed, and denied. Shadow work can be a really effective way to create awareness and integrate parts of self that are are denied. And it can be very consuming. And in my experience, and the experience of of a lot of others like like yourself, shadow work can only be done so long before you need to do something else. Um, There is work around creating a life's mission that is brought in as part of the initiation weekend, as part of the New Warrior training. It just was always underemphasized. So what I came in and saw was that there needed to be more of a balance between the what I want in my life's mission and purpose and what do I do when the shadows show up? Uh, and the, the whole idea with gold mining is that if you focus on your life's purpose and your gold and what you want, you're going to get more gold. And if you focus on shadow,
0: you're going to get more shadow. So what's your choice? And this is a big innovation. And I'd, I personally had been a little bit, had some blockages with men's work because I tried men's circles before and found that it was a lot of shadow work. It was a lot of it was. It felt like important that there was a safe space to me for men to come and get to be safe to express trauma and pain. And you know, men men have, in my experience and in my own personal life, I've hidden some of that pain or that, in order to be strong to live up to this stoic ideal. Sometimes we have and toxic masculinity that it is revelatory, like what mankind project created and the the coming together of men to share what's going on inside them, how they're feeling especially with trauma. We talk about veterans um, benefiting from this work that that did. I want to honor that that feels like an important innovation in its own right to bring men together again, again, it's innovation. It's something that men have been doing, I think for thousands of years, but to bring men back together to be able to share safely, share that wasn't innovation, but it, it, there was more needed. I feel like what you're coming in and, and we're coming in to do with gold mining is the next is evolutionary? Is the next step of that that once we have a safe space to share what's going on inside of us? What do we ask for? What do we want in our lives? Where do we go from there? Because that itself can become a comfort zone or a safe space to, um, as you like to say, wound worship.
1: Wound worshipping. Yes.
0: And this, yeah, when you say wound worshipping, it's a term that comes up. How do you define wound worshipping, or how do you notice it when you when you see it? Uh, if you
1: come and you work on the same emotional issue. 10 times in a row with no resolution, that's wound worshiping, you know, or especially if you do it for 10 years. And I've seen that happen. You know, I've seen that kind of thing go on. The, um, you know, if you take a step back from it, you look at the, the, the basis that was formed in the work was around emotional intelligence and being able to understand emotions as the language of the soul. Um, and that, that is a really important aspect and there has to be the transcendent aspect of how do I take that into service in my life? And that's what the mission-oriented work, what the gold mining work is really about, is going from the emotional level where we can become stuck. You know, I'm sure you, like, like I and others, have seen many people, and maybe even ourselves at times, where we get stuck in emotional loops. And that can be the wound worshiping. Well, to get beyond that, we have to step out beyond ourselves. And that's what the mission work is about and what gold mining is all intended to focus on.
0: Why do we get stuck in those? Why would you say we get stuck in those emotional loops?
1: Because they're, um, sometimes they're very alluring. Um, and sometimes the pattern is just so strong that it's hard to break especially something that's trauma-induced in one form or another, can be really hard to break free of and takes a lot of, of conscious work to be able to get through. And sometimes it's necessary to do that in a private therapy kind of a setting. And sometimes it's uh, a really good idea to be challenged around that in the work that we do within the men's group,
0: just to be able to get beyond self. You, you said an important word to me, which was service. Is how do we turn this towards service too? How do we, like, we have this space now to work on emotional intelligence, to touch these traumas, to touch into these spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also want to add one innovation that I like about gold mining circles is we have an energy watcher too. Yes. So we show up accountable to each other to not get stuck in those circles. It's not, an, it's there's personal responsibility to, to But we support each other not to loop around and around and around. And the energy watcher, yeah, tell me about why we have an energy watcher and how, how that role emerged in the circle.
1: Well, specifically the energy watcher is looking for things coming in sideways, you know, that might be unconscious either in the men participating or in whoever's leading because uh, that can all happen. So the energy watcher is looking for um, projections, and a lot of a lot of the work that we do in the men's work is about learning to own our projections, both the positive and negative things that we see outside ourselves and others that may not necessarily be owned. Um, so I might see something in you that I think is just really amazing, and you know. Jake, I could just never be like you because you're just so awesome in this way. That is a disowned projection. That happens to be a golden projection. Now, if you, you know, unconsciously remind me of someone that I grew up with who was just a real idiot and I can't get past that and I'm putting that on you and effectively, you know, putting, putting you between me and this, this past relationship, that's a negative projection. That's a shadow projection. And those are the kind of things that we're watching for, and we're trying to clear the space of all the time because that, that really has an effect on the container. Um, so there are times where, as energy watcher, I or whoever's doing that job, has to call attention to what's the projection that's going on here? You know, what does this have to do with your mission? Or is this something that you're looping in that's old pain? And if so, you know, how can you transcend that? How can you transmute the pain? And it's not, it's not a matter of shaming in doing that. It's more a matter of calling attention to, is there something going on that doesn't serve here?
0: Yeah, I think when the energy watcher role is done really skillfully, which I've seen, you know, it's, it's, it's also another learning opportunity for men is to get to have that role of being the energy watcher. And we, we do pass it around the circle. Um, and it is the art of it. I, I found is not to stop the shadow from coming out or block it or anything like that. It's a little more of Aikido, I would say, right? With that of mm-hmm. di- redirecting it very much so. when it's done well. Uh, and it's something I've learned a lot from Kevin and other men, a lot from you in the circle is how to facilitate people when they're going through emotional uh, experiences or traumas coming up. How to not, I-, I felt fear in some of those moments when I've, been responsible for holding space fear of interfering with someone else's process of projecting my own myself on it. And the the circle creates a safe space. I get to be energy watcher and the circles created a safe space for me to, uh, step in and ask a question or offer, offer a mirror to somebody or just name that the current energy in the group or the current conversation. We have a, one of our agreements is we'll say mercy if, when do we say mercy again? How would you define that? If there's
1: a stuckness going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. If, if something has gone on for a while without any kind of progress, it's like, okay, okay. so let's, let's go ahead and set that off to the side and let that cook for a while and maybe bring it back or bring it back offline. Frankly, sometimes um, guys just want to be recognized, you know, just want to be seen you know, and that's, that's okay. And it can chew up a tremendous amount of time in the group. So we need to be really careful about, you know, what's allowed to be brought in and consume the
0: group's energy. Yeah, I think that's, it's important. And it feels like because of the way it's facilitated, because of the structure, it's very structured group, but also we have these roles, we have these intentions. I feel like my time is being used well, being in the group. I don't feel like, I've had experiences in circles where it feels like we're spinning our wheels, where it feels like it's perform- performative, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you have the same trauma coming out in the 10th time, in the same way, for the same guy, there, it starts to not feel like we're co-creating or evolving for me.
1: Well, and that's the point where other members in the group start to say, come on, what am I here for? You know, and start to fade away. And I have seen that in the past. So that's, that's been a real lesson to stop that early and bring it into consciousness. And if there's a way to be able to work through that, great, let's do that. You know, and if it's something that really needs to be
0: worked on outside the group, then take that direction. I think that's been a big part of it for me is that there is this opportunity to, to an invite men to take it offline. We do a check-in of, of the charge if we're feeling any charges and there is this, we'll do thumbs up thumbs. If we have a, uh, thumbs up if we're clear thumbs sideways if we have a charge that we can process offline or thumbs down if we want to do it in the group and most often we can if there's a one-on-one thing going on we can resolve that one-on-one you know if there's if there's a charge we can just just noticing it is the practice for me a lot of times and it doesn't need to chew up you know so much time working through projections or working through um, things that we've built the tools especially in the leadership group we've built the tools to Process other ways, yeah. and we can save the circle time for the really beautiful collaborative processes. The co co facilitating, you know, really um, in the present work. What's really alive for men right now, and not just going back to the same past uh, past experience. The
1: uh, the thing that that I observe that's that's fun actually is that when charges come up, most often in the gold mining circle, they are positive charges. So true, and it's like man, I am seeing this, and this is so cool, and I really appreciate you bringing, you know, and it's that 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 bubbling forth of gold. And, you know, there's there's been times, though, where I have to ask guys in that, whether I'm in the leadership role or the energy watcher role, saying, okay, so tell me about your ownership of that. You know, I hear that you see that in him. Tell me about that in you. And usually there's an awkward silence that follows that because that hasn't even been considered because it's so easy to put it out there. Right. Exactly. You know, but when it, when it comes to actually owning, Oh, there's a part of me that really has that gold. You know, that's, that's something we don't really get trained in. You know, that's what the gold mining circle for.
0: That's great to recognize that too. I, I didn't really notice that that's a place to where we can hide is in is in that gold charge in that praise moment that's like bringing that up for me that it can be very comfortable to just be worshiping or celebrating or blessing others without finding that in ourselves or or you know the 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 truth that it can be easier to give compliments than to receive them for many of us exactly. sometimes for me yeah. so why is that so i think that you know you're bringing that awareness to to me i'm great grateful for that right now is that i'm going to notice that in myself too when i'm Giving away all these compliments, giving away all these blessings, which is, by the way, something I love doing. We do a great job of in the circle, and we do it in our King Round at the end. Yeah, so we and, share blessings. And
1: it really, the the piece in that that's most important is, and I recognize the piece of me that that comes from.
0: Yes, yes, and to receive it, to to open ourselves to receive a blessing without deflecting it, without com- to take compliments, to take to receive love. I think is part of the King Round for me. Yeah.
1: The, uh, the thing that, um, you know, we talk about the projection aspect of it, the the most difficult part of that, really, whether it's the golden projection or the shadow projection, whatever's going on in that regard is the personal ownership piece of if I see something in you, whether I like it or I dislike it, that same thing's in me. You know, it's the, the 12-step program piece around if you spot it, you got it. And if that's, if that's something that's showing up and coming into my awareness, especially if it's giving me a substantial charge, I own that somewhere, you know, and that's, that's why so many times when things are coming up in group, I have to sit with them for a minute and go, okay, so I'm really, I'm feeling something around this and what's, what's my charge in this? What's my piece in this one that I can take ownership of and be able to come into the conversation, if I need to, from a place of compassion around that, you know, and if I'm leading a process and I'm getting really charged about it, I may very well hand that off to let somebody else lead while I work through that.
0: I love that. I, I love the the way you work with ownership and ego and so many other energies and the circle that way. And it's kind of inspiring me to ask too, because I notice we take turns leading in the gold mine circle, mining circle, and the way leadership is distributed. You've done a great job because you're the organizer of gold mining, but you're not the, the leader of gold mining, right? It's, it's not going to be me not, every week. Nope. It's not the energy. <laughs> I've got to lead a lot. Many other men lead the circles and step up to do different kinds of organizing and leadership roles. So I'm curious to ask about your approach to leadership, how you think of it. It's something I know I've already learned a lot about from you. So I'd love to hear just some insights you've had around being, a, what kind of leader you aspire to be. Well, I I believe very much in
1: the shared leadership model, um, where if you're going to be able to go on and lead your own work someday and and have a circle and do the things that are really important to you, you've got to practice that somewhere, right? You know, and I'm going to deepen my relationship and my understanding of who you are by letting you step into that space of lead and stumble and make mistakes and have glory and, you know, do things well and all of that, the whole, the whole mix. That's really important to experience that. And, you know, that's, that's been what we've done in this community in San Luis Bispo community ever since we started it, you know, we do a shared and a rotating leadership model. And I, I feel it's important to do the same kind of thing with what we're doing in the gold mining work, um, and I I might mention too that the the gold mining work is the, it's the weekly circles um, that we're doing online. It's also something that we developed. that's called the gold mining adventure. That's a, a, it's been done as a weekend and it's probably going to break into an installments kind of thing that, that is about deepening the work around mission um, for guys who maybe have never done that kind of work before uh, and to have really, an initiatory kind of experience into developing life's mission. And it's been amazing. The last one we did was uh, January of 2020, just before COVID. We had 44 guys that participated in that up in Northern California. It was outstanding. Um, and in, in the gold mining adventure work, we don't just go into life's mission. We go into what I've called support missions, So we develop a mission around the areas of life where guys tend to go off the rails the most. So we develop a life's mission, but we also develop a money mission. And then we also develop a sexual slash creative mission. And those energies are the kinds of things that seem to be most challenging to keep in alignment with life's mission. And so it's the idea is let's get all of the parts of us rowing together. And then we brought that that kind of work about bringing those submissions into um, the gold mining circles. Also in, in the bits and pieces, we don't have a, you know, a, a whole 15 hours worth of time to develop it on an individual circle, but we're taking the bite-sized chunks of that.
0: I've really enjoyed those bites and taking those bites out of the gold mining adventure and this, and I'm looking forward to the full adventure coming back. Is that something that's in the, in the near future or what are some of the plans for gold mining going forward? Well, there, there's a couple of different
1: things that are, that are happening in that regard now. Um, working with the parent organization nationally to bring um, gold mining to what's called MKPUSA, the, the parent organization, as circles that men can integrate into as new men into the work. They can make a commitment to, hey, I want to do um, gold mining work for a year and enter what's called a committed circle. Um, to do that. So that's, that's in process. The, the taking of the gold mining adventure into segments, part of which can be done is online pre-work and part of which can be done in person. And again, we're, we're trying to break that up into segments that can be done that way since so many things are being done virtual now. Um, and it's, you know, it, it is just plainly difficult to gather a larger group of people together now okay so we have to be creative with the formats that we use also had requests um, from men who do this work internationally um, to be able to bring in particular tests for the gold mining circle um, into the UK and Sweden and there's been talk about guys from Bulgaria and South Africa and other places being able to bring this work there so Uh, And then, you know, you have friends that uh, that wanted to get some work going like this in Costa Rica. And to to me, it's one of those things. It really does this whole idea of of working on mission and life's purpose. It really transcends language. It transcends
0: national barriers. It's it's very much a universal kind of thing that can be rallied around. So people hearing this and want to learn more because, yes, I'm so uh, excited to hear about it growing into a worldwide place for men to come together and heal and like to take some of these techniques and approaches and make them more global is, is really fills me with, uh, with joy hearing that that's happening in all these different places. And so people that want to learn more right now, like, what would you recommend for men interested in this work?
1: Well, if there's somebody who's interested in participating in our particular circle, they can contact me. Um, uh, my, uh, email is Kevin at um, that's, that's one way to do it directly more along the lines of what you and I have done together. Um, Mankind Project has its own website, of course, um, with a, a lot of resources available, both for doing things like mission-oriented work and um, for doing uh, shadow work, if that's what somebody needs. And, and I want to talk about that more here in just a minute, to, just to, to make sure that there's a, a balance in that. But uh, mkp.org. Uh, is a, a, a great resource for um, getting into those kinds of programs and for finding local groups to get involved with and so forth. And some areas of the country have more of the open circles available to get involved in than others. The good news is that that COVID forced so many things to go on online that you can pretty much any night of the week um, find an opportunity to get into an online circle. And you know the the approach that we use in the gold mining circle is that we're going to focus on what we want we're going to focus on our life's mission and our gold and the moment making that kind of commitment the universe has this habit of putting up the resistance well but what about this and that's when the shadow stuff comes in and so I say it's important to have the tools around here's what I want and then the tools around how do I deal with The resistances and things that come up that get in the way of that, and that's that's the balance, that's the yin and yang that that you want to have in approaching this kind of work. And it's not all one or the other. There was a there was one of the guys that uh, had um, accused me at one point of doing a spiritual bypass uh, in doing the gold mining work, and said, "Well, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, and you know, we look at." You know, what is it that I really want and what do I do about the stuff that shows up that gets in the way? You know, so to me, that's, that's
0: the best balance that I can have in going into this kind of work. That's important insight of starting with what we want and then seeing what comes up instead of starting with, starting with shadow. Let's start that's with gold. Let's start short, with mission. Starting with how am I wounded. How am I wounded? Yeah, starting. That's the opening question. We start uh, so many of our rounds with our mission statement. And I share with Andy about how to create a mission statement if you're interested and something, a process I've done with Kevin a few times too. And so to focus, to lead with that, to lead with our mission, seems to be a really important uh, foundational approach of this is mission first. Yeah. So, and in, in, this is a, in,
1: an interesting way to approach it. In the organization, there's a, a form that's offered for the way mission is, is taught. It's mission equals vision plus action. And, you know, so my mission statement, I co-create a peaceful world of healing and wholeness by listening and practicing unconditional love and compassion, has both those, those vision and those action elements to it. And one of the things that we've gotten into in gold mining is to start to play with that and say, well, what if that was a poem? You know? Or in the conversations that we've had, what if that was a lyric that you could actually set to music and let that be the song of your soul. And that's that's where it gets really fun and really creative. You know, when we start to to break out beyond kind of the, the hyper-masculine, you know, forms that things have to look like and
0: start to get into the poetry of the soul. Um, that's really cool stuff. People who know me now probably aren't surprised. That's why I love this guy, is pushing against some of these forms and is innovating like this, that bringing play, bringing creativity and joy into Mission statements. I think that that's we've had a lot of fun together doing that, and I think it's what's kept it's what's kept this alive for me. For I've, I mean, I'm I'm not haven't been doing it 17 years like you, but I you know it's made it a part of my week because I get to show up and change my mission statement and or even expand it poetically or to come up with a I have money missions and sexual missions that have also turned into poems for me, and so this invitation to be creative and I see that is so essential to how we understand ourselves is by accessing that creative intuition and imagination around our deep work. And so Kevin is like, I feel like you've been aligned with that, you know, as, as, as much as I've known you, you've always been encouraging that kind of uh, inspiration and that kind of play. So thank you for that. Thanks. This, uh,
1: this next week, there's, there's one of the guys in the group that's just been dealing with a lot of fear stuff that's, that's coming up. And, Um, so the invitation that I made to him was, okay, so are you ready to lead the group around turning fear into an ally? And there was that awkward silence (laughs) that followed that. And then, yeah, I'll do that. You know, and so the, a lot of this is about, okay, so step into leading around what you need, what, what challenges you most you know, bring that to the group because you're not alone. And and to me, that's, that's one of the biggest beauties of what we do in the men's work is that it, it reminds me that I'm not alone. You know, there's, there's so much in our culture that, that makes me, makes us as men feel like we're out there on our own and we're the only one who feels this way. And we're the only one who has this experience. And we're all the only one with these wounds and, the only one with these problems, and it's all just absolute bullshit. And you know, so to be able to enter into a space where it's like, oh, I'm not alone, and I can actually use the intelligence and the creativity of the group to be able to come up with really great ways to work with the stuff that's shown up in my life. Now that's a gift. That's an absolute, and that is, that is a primary reason for doing the work.
0: Wow. Yeah. I feel that. I feel completely aligned with that. And I feel, I feel a little opening in my heart. Just, just hearing you say those words, because I have felt that I've witnessed men have that realization. I've had it myself in circle. Oh, other men feel like this too. Oh, the shame I feel is not right. well, just my shame. This I, came from I, outside. I, me. I thought I was alone. I thought I was alone. Um, I, I'm not different. I'm not, and it's not that I'm not different. We we also celebrate, I think, the uniqueness of people and their and their unique worlds. But so much of our pain is shared. So much of our challenges and so much of the joy can also be shared, mm-hmm. too. So I think I, I kind of count on on all of that each week when I show up for the circle. And so I'm super grateful for this space that you've been tending and and co-creating with me and other other men for these years. And thank you. I have a lot of intention to continue this work and enthusiasm around it right now i'm actually bringing i I, being with kevin i immediately came up with i've just been calling in a bunch of sensei pieces writing down in my (laughs) my journal what am i going to lead next next week or three weeks from now so i've been feeling the inspiration being with you Uh, i want to take a little bit of the time left though shift gears for a minute because i had a really powerful experience with you yesterday i want to unpack a little bit Mm -hmm. and that was getting in the pool with you and receiving a watsu watsu session and I'll I'll share a little bit more about my experience in a minute, but I want to give you a chance first, just for people who have never heard of watsu. What is watsu? Yeah, so
1: water shiatsu uh, or watsu is something that developed back in the 1970s uh, at Harbin Hot Springs. There was a a guy named Harold Dull that uh, had gone to train in shiatsu in Japan, and he brought his training back and started using it in the, the pools in the the mineral springs at Harbin Hot Springs and found that it was just amazingly healing for people. And it developed into its own, own modality um, that's really spread worldwide. And there's lots of sub-modalities that have come out of it and, and versions that are done on the surface of the water and like water dance, like what we, what we did that's done underwater and just a amazing variety of experiences. But the idea is to get the body into the water, into a a neutral gravity situation and move and let it unwind and be able to find the places that are holding and let them start to release. And there's, there's actual physical release that comes with that. Um, There's also emotional release that comes with that often. And it is, it is a amazingly transformative kind of experience. It was very helpful for me in my own uh, healing process, very transformative And I've worked with hundreds of people since um, finding that it's, it's as healing for me to be able to share it as it is to receive it. And
0: so I I love both. I loved it. It was my, as I said, my first, I played around a Watsu pools, but I never had a session with a real, I mean, I felt like, I feel like you're a Watsu master the way that the, the way you work with it, your technique and your attunement to my body and to your practice. It was it was really exquisite experience to be in the pool with you for the first time. I wish I lived less than 2,000 miles away <laughs> right. so I could get back in the pool. It's almost <laughs> worth a trip back just for this. Highly um, highly recommend people explore this this modality. And yeah, so, but the Watsu, I also had water dance. under. We did some underwater work. But I feel like I this understanding too, we, we talked about men's work already today and this emotional, I feel very supported with my emotional and spiritual growth by the gold mining group and by you in particular in the group and it, it was a real blessing to feel this physical support and healing from you too. And I've, I've taken a few of your yoga classes and I got to take it today. I love, love your yoga too and core, but there's something really special about the different than other healing experiences I've had of the Watsu. There's an intimacy to it. Um, a, cause you're right up close and it's, it's closer than a massage. So there's a massage happening, but I'm being guided through the pool. So there's a sort of a way of, and I feel like a level of insight you got about my, where I was holding tension in my body that you were able to tell me back and notice. You notice from my walk too or from other moments, but I felt like in my experience, you tuned into really what was going on in my body and then used the, the low gravity effects of the water of the, to really help me release and help me stretch out in a way that I haven't been able to do out of the water. There was something unique about that that I'm still kind of glowing from that. Um, experience and particularly i've had lower back pain in my it's like you, you were noticing lumbars and um what were the what were the what were the muscles where you were noticed like talk a little about how you helped me i guess in particular well so to to kind of
1: put it in context we we talked earlier about active listening as a skill well you know touch is a way to active listen also you know for your body to tell me what's going on uh and that's the, very much what I employ. So you know, there's there's the words that you can tell me about what you're experiencing, and then there's what the body tells me about what you're experiencing. And a lot of times there's there's not necessarily an awareness connecting the two. So I can't tell you how many times I've worked with people uh, who make no mention of something that's really significant that's going on in a shoulder or around their heart or in their neck or in a hip or a leg or you know whatever it might be and. You know, we, we get to that and I ask, okay, so what is this? And I, I, I had no idea that was there. It just, you know, it just didn't occur to me. And, and so many times, like with so many other things, especially if they're painful, they get blocked out, you know, and so just being able to bring awareness to that in a place where it can actually start to unwind uh, and not need to guard as much uh, is a really, really valuable thing. Uh, And that's, that's what the Watsu does uh, in my experience is it creates that space where I can, I can hang out with someone. And sometimes it's just a matter of hanging out in stillness while they just start to unwind spontaneously. You know, it has, it has nothing to do with me guiding anything other than just making space for the unwinding to start happening. And, And other times it's a matter of, all right, let's go through progressively and see what's going on and be able to bring awareness to that for both of us.
0: How are you opening yourself during a Watsu session? Um, you've done many, many of them, thousands of them, I would imagine by now. Um, you talk about active listening. We're learning active listening techniques uh, in men's group. And how are there techniques for listening to the body that you use? Or is this something you've maybe got, got over decades of doing this? Uh, how has this developed for you? Just noticing. Uh,
1: there's a, there's a a very intuitive aspect of it that I've learned to listen to, but it's fairly easy to tell where someone's got something stuck in the body. You know, so for example, you know, when we were dealing with lumbar spine with you and there was, you know, there was particular areas that, that had a lot going on and, you know, it would be a matter of, all right, let me pull your ears up out of the water just a little bit and say, so what's going on with this? You know, is this, is this what you were talking about in terms of the low back pain and let's hang out with that and which way does this want to open, you know, and being able to play with it. Those are, those are some of the kind of things that are, are part of the more active listening that I like to do in doing sessions. And as I work with people that tends to become just more automatic that that's going on and there's a trust level that, that builds and so forth. A lot of people understandably are, are very reserved and sometimes very guarded going in. Um, two sessions when they're first starting, and there's there's that gradual releasing of that, and just learning to flow
0: um, with whatever the body wants to let go of. I think uh, letting go for me was easier because I had a trusting relationship with you. I already kn- know you fairly well, and also I used I used my breath a lot to release. You noticed that after the session that right. for me I. I, I'm also someone who can be, you know, I'm working on my letting go of control, my surrendering to the moment is something that's an ongoing project for me in my life. So I had a little mantra. You're, I used. you're not alone. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I feel in in community on that one, many others, and uh, for me, I had a mantra of just breathing deeply and saying to myself, "I surrender, I release, I let go." Something I've developed when I'm feeling like I want to close up. You guys, for me, being so close like that and being held, letting go and surrendering to you and your guidance in the water was its own healing practice to me around trust, around um, releasing. It, that itself was healing. So I can I'm not surprised to hear that just being held by you for people in the water uh, is it can be enough sometimes. I appreciate all the extras. I think that I'm glad there was more than that. Um, and you took me. The, talk about yeah. I'm a little curious to want to ask too about that second phase of what we did of the water dance where you took me underwater that also was a, a trust exercise for me of trusting you to bring me down below the surface. Uh, that I won't drown you. That you won't drown yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause right. I had a nose, you know, <laughs> the first thing we just put for that section is to put a nose plug on. And so let's, let's talk about um, that, that, that part of the water dance um, practice. Cause that was also really powerful for me. The water dance for me uh,
1: was uh, a practice of joy. Uh, Cause I, I, I Instantly when I, I had my first water dance, I felt like a baby dolphin and like I could just be spun around and, you know, ride bow waves and, and, you know, do loops and twirls and things that, that, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to do, you know, since prior life as a dolphin. Um, and from, from, uh, from the perspective of, of trust, you know, the fact that I would take you, you know, at the top of a breath and take you underwater and move together and then be able to bring you back up so that you could breathe again, you know, it does require a tremendous amount of trust to do that. And that's, that's the biggest challenge for most people when they first start water dance is just the trust that I'm not going to run out of air. You know, our bodies have capacities that we vastly underestimate. And so just, just, having the faith that, oh, wait a minute, you know, my head might be saying I'm going to drown, but, you know, my body's fine. And just realizing that is really powerful in itself. And, you know, that, that transition from just abject fear to, oh, I'm okay. You know, that's, that's a big deal. And uh, especially for people, I've, I've worked with people that have had uh, near drowning experiences. Um, and getting through that is a really important aspect Wow there's yeah. one of the there's one of the movements uh, in water dance that's called embryo where you literally take someone upside down in the water into a fetal position, just like an embryo. and I've had you know people tell me that 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 has been so healing of mother wound and other kinds of of experiences of early childhood traumas that that. Uh, it, it just, it, it is, it is amazing to me what can happen in that kind of environment, and it's very spontaneous. And you know, I, I get, I get to guide, I get to walk through that with you, and you know, be part of the process. But it's not me doing the work. You know, I just get to be channel and and be present for it. Uh,
0: and it's just absolutely a beautiful thing to be present for. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful. Experience that I recommend to others highly. And I also worked with that fear you were saying. You were talking about that fear and then trust of the body to take care of itself. That lung capacity piece was more comfortable for me because of cold exposure. Work I'm doing of noticing, knowing that my body, when I'm in really cold water or ice baths, is going to be okay. It's going to heat itself up, that I'm not going to drown or pass out here. So it's this, your mind telling you, hey, it was telling me that, hey, I have this, you're, my nose is plugged. Um, I've been under the water 10, 20 seconds now, um, but I'm going to be fine. I don't, you know, I can trust Kevin. I can trust my body to be fine for even much longer underwater and it's safe. And that, that experiencing that tension for me is a really, is something I, I seek out in my life of wanting to balance that, um, like some kind of physical threat or challenge and then the, the breath and the awareness. I guess I can't breathe in this case. But the awareness that I can surrender and let go and my body will take care of itself was a big part of that, that practice for me. And I also felt like a baby dolphin being swooshed around under the water like that. It was, it was not, like nothing I've really experienced uh, being guided that way um, through the water and doing flips and doing um, all kinds of um, ge- geometry down there was, uh, was really a thrill. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And, and I might add, just for
1: clarity of, of the listeners, too, that uh, water dance and watsu are done in a pool that's right at skin temperature. So, right at about 96 degrees, plus or minus a, a degree or two. So, literally, you can hang out in, all day long and not get too hot or too cold. Um, so, much better than being in a cold pool or in a hot tub or something like that where there's you know, some kind of thermal gain or loss going on in the Watsu pool, it's it's very specific to be able to create an environment that's almost womb-like in temperature um, to be able to let the body start that unwinding process. Because if you're too cold
0: or too hot, you're not going to be able to release. Yeah, that's it's a very different experience. It's important to point out that comfort level I felt in the water because of the temperature. I think it's a very... there. There's a very different process that the body's doing, I think. With the with the cold exposure, I'm noticing I'm trying to keep my body. It's an active meditation of not keeping my body, not letting my... Staying relaxed, not letting my body fully close up and just relaxing despite the stress. The stress for me in the watsu and water dance is the stress of surrendering to another person, to surrendering my control over my body. Right. Very different than the ice, which um, which also pushes me to want to control and want to get out of the water. So there's kind of a, a, a meta similarity, but I think the phys- physiological experience is really underlying it is completely different. So I love that diversity because I've been doing so much ice bathing lately that to get this warm water version of surrender uh, for me was, it was beautiful. So thanks. thanks yeah, for It's that.
1: it's not an either or it's, it really is a both and um, both can be very viable modalities.
0: I love it. I love I love that this work now getting, being here, doing this has been a blessing. And I'm realizing too the, the big picture connection, I'm appreciating in a way, some of the things that you're subverting, both with the men's work you're doing and the water dance and yoga. Um, a lot of, a lot of the barriers I see causing a lot of our suffering in this world, my suffering of doing this alone going through things alone. Um, feeling, um, lack of community, lack of, uh, some of these important skills that we learn in men's group that some that for men to speak up and to share their emotions, there's taboo around that They are breaking through and to support each other this way and be together. Um, there's also, I feel like, taboo around this kind of surrendering and there's something you're breaking through of around touch and sharing touch and sharing, um, sharing this in a pool, two men guiding each other this way. It yeah. felt like, it feels like, I, I, I feel so inspired to support this because I, and to, to bring more of this into my life, because I feel like this is medicine that's being denied us as men and as human beings that I think is unjust and um, pointless to deny ourselves these incredible healing modalities and spaces together. So thanks for being a champion of, of both of these and, and being out there in the world doing this. Thank you. Well, from my perspective, the sharing
1: of, of what's going on for us emotionally is a very healing thing. The sharing of what my soul is really asking for that's showing up as my life's mission is a really healing thing. And to be able to hear that from others, um, it it helps to reinforce that sense of, oh, I'm okay with this. This is what I'm here for. And touch is a very healing thing. It, it can be misused. Any any of these forms can be misused, you know, and have been repeatedly, which is a lot of why there's so much taboo around it and why there's there's so much reactivity around it. And, you know, these are our pathways to be able to know ourselves and to be able to bring who we are into world while, while we're in form. You know, that we, we get... We get one shot at it this time around, you know, to, to be able to realize who we are and bring that into form. And, you know, these are all ways that, that I've found to do that more
0: successfully. It's working. It's working on me and others. I, and I spoke to, uh, around the Watsu, I spoke to a woman who got a session with you and she talked about how healing that was, was to trust an older man mm. to guide her, just to surrender. And there's so much. You know, in the world now, that lack of trust, and for for real reasons, of men aren't being trusted, and so to be a trustworthy man in the world, I really honor you for that. To be, she she talked about how that felt, just to, to say, oh, you know, he's because you get moved all around in a watsu session or a water dance session. You have to let go and be held and be touched, and and for me as a as a straight man to be to get over this like homophobic programming, I still feel like I have around being touched by another man to be held this way. Um, or to like receive a massage that was healing for me to say, you know, that these are boundaries that there's touch that men can share. That's not sexual. That's platonic and healing. Uh, and that you know, and to receive that from you was healing for me too, to be like, you know, I think I feel like so many men and I was closed off from touch from both men and women, you know, that for me, touch was limited to partnership, you know, is where I would get all my touch needs yeah, met. All sexual. It's all sexual. And we are, I believe that our needs are for touch are, much more complex and varied and expansive than just the sexual touch we get in a relationship, a sexual relationship. Right. And so there's so many flavors and variants of that. And so for her and for me, the woman who you um, gave a watsu a watsu session to, or for me, it's healing um, some of this conditioning and trauma that I think is uh, really not serving us in, in my individual case and in the world right now to be in our bodies for our nervous systems to ground uh, to relax um, with each other, uh, so I think just like another round of blessings for you again for thank you <laughs> for that. So you're doing a good you're, job receiving you're all that. Hitting
1: the nail on the head because culturally, touch gets associated with sex. Yes, and that's that is the farthest thing from the truth. Because yes, there is sexual touch, but touch is of the senses. It is by nature sensual. You know, and that is something that, that's why babies who get touched by their mothers are inherently healthier than babies that don't. You know, we we have that programming from the beginning, and that's true of all animals. You know, we need that contact. We need to be connected with each other as physical beings, because that's what we are. And to be able to do that in a good way that's that's a really important aspect of the the practice as far as I'm concerned to be able to start to make those kind of distinctions and have the the uh, the experience that reinforces the positive aspect of that
0: so important and i I, w- I was reading the secret life of trees and learning the relationships between trees and animals and plants and ecosystems something I've been studying for a while and uh, was just reminded that how much that it's important to all organisms to have proximity to each other, to share Mm -hmm. signals, to share in how much monoculture farming, when you have all of our, we, we drive, I'm driving in California and seeing all these plants, you know, the same plant for miles um, space, the same amount. And that we, I think that we want to design our human worlds too often like that, where every plant we all have our own little space and we never touch each other. Right. And I think that's not how nature intends us to live together. And there, I think the more research we do and the more, there's already plenty of research on the value of touch and the value of all kinds of connection that we're missing in, in our world. And I think the more research is done and the more we explore it, we're going to find so much more about our, our physiology, our neuro um, neurobiology, and uh, so many parts of us that are going to show how much touch and connection are essential to our overall well-being. So I think you're ahead of your time uh, modeling a lot of these things and, and guiding them. Well, and there's, you know, there's plenty of
1: fear that comes up around that for many people who don't have that, perspective and, you know, respect that and they're not ready for the work yet. Um, from, from the standpoint of, of my experience, that is, you know, these things that we're talking about today are some of the most healing things that we can engage in to be able to know that we're not alone, to know that we are actually part of a larger family and a larger community um, that can support each other and support ourselves over the long run, that's the way that we're going to make it. This, this whole idea that we're all going to be rugged individuals and, you know, go out there and do it ourselves alone and all that kind of stuff just doesn't work. You know, that's, that's not the way that the world functions. And that's not the way that, that we as organisms are built. You know, we, we need to be able to have the kinds of connectivity
0: that we're talking about. It's really important. It's essential. It's essential. Well, I'm going to end the conversation on that important point there. Thank you again for coming on the show today, Kevin, for all the support you've given me and so many other men in the world, and human beings, and for continuing to be such an amazing teacher and human being. Um, I'm grateful to be staying with you and sharing this California, beautiful California day. So thank you so much. Thanks, Jake. It's been a pleasure.